How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. How's it going, friends? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and today we're going to be talking to Seth Maniscalco, not to be confused with Sebastian Maniscalco, the comedian. Seth is a financial investment manager uh, and modern wealth manager with over 20 plus years of hands-on experience in all of the financial markets. His professional experience ranges from technology to foreign exchange currencies to futures to owning and managing small hedge funds of his own. His training and professional experience have allowed Seth to learn and hone the skills necessary to leverage money to make more money. Now he takes that at that same and can do attitude and extensive training to his clients at Modern Wealth Management and at Crypto Wealth Coaching to help people 10x their ROIs. You're not going to want to miss this episode. We talk about what makes crypto different from past digital money and currencies. We're going to dig into what is Bitcoin and why it's important for freedom. We talk about the wealth building lessons from history, and we talk about his most painful lessons that we can learn about money and investing. And don't forget that we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com to grab your copy of the number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, the book, available now. Hey, 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 how's it going, friends? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and I want to introduce you to uh, my new best friend who's going to help me make a lot of money, Seth Maniscalco. Seth, welcome to the show. My man, Xander, we go way back. Thank you. Glad way to be back. Here. Way back. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you on. I think uh, this is going to be a really good conversation for a lot of people out there. Very timely. We're going to be talking wealth building. We're going to be talking crypto. We're going to be talking prohibited profits. Uh, but before we dig into all of that, Seth, I'd love for you to give everybody maybe a little bit of a background uh, on you because you have your own entrepreneurial journey as well, going from the corporate world into uh, what you're doing now. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, I um, I own a um, couple companies now today. One of them is a, a small hedge fund as well as a, an investment research company. Um, and I, I started out, you know, the, the typical path, yeah, going through high school, uh, 16 year old jobs at McDonald's, joined the military. Nice. I spent six years in the military. And then, um, after six years got out and started chasing the white picket fence, American propaganda type dream, you know, um, dogs yeah. and two kids in the yard and two, two and a half kids, the yard with the picket fence, <laughs> all the fun stuff. Um, and, and, and came out pretty well on the other side. I, I was running a, uh, $35 million company for Siemens medical. I had wow. spent 
uh, ultimately 14 years with the company um, when I decided to, to step out and branch out on my own. Um, and was doing pretty good. You know, I had the, the six figure job and the golden handcuffs and all that. Um, but what, why, but why'd you leave? To, why would you ever leave something so good? Yeah, right. That's the question. Um, and the real answer is, you know, that came with 80 to hundred hour work weeks. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was a service manager. So at, at, at the maximum point, I think we had 48 employees at one time. We averaged about 25 to 30. Um, and it, you know, that, that took its toll. I, I was living yeah. in and out of hotels. I had a 14 state region and, you know, I, I was driving out at 6 a.m. on Monday and getting home at 8 p.m. on Fridays. And yeah. I actually have four children. Um, so that that came in at a toll on on my marriage and, and you know, just my personal happiness, honestly. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the six figure paycheck just it wasn't enough. Well, I think, um, so, you know, that's something that we we all hear about, too. We all know, like, yeah, you're going to go work this job and it might pull you from your personal relationships. And then we all go do it anyways. Right. It's like we have to go through that learning process almost. It, it, it's definitely a learning process. You know, you learn a lot about yourself and, and what's important to you. So uh, it can be necessary. I, I think it's a good thing to go through. And, you know, some people are happy working that job and, and working until they're 65 or whatever and retiring and, you know, doing that 40, 40 work scene. Um, it, it just wasn't for me. And I discovered that about myself. And, you know, that, that was my journey. So you just decided to quit and did you, did you go back to McDonald's or what happened? <laughs> um, well, okay. So in, in fairness, I had figured out before that 14 year mark that I, that yeah. I wanted to work for myself. So I, I yeah. there, okay. there's a little more clarity to that. You know, I got, I've, I got very clear on what was important to me and I set out a path once, once I really fully recognized the power of the financial markets and my own ability to leverage money in the markets and make that money grow, you know, the, the light bulb went off. It was like all, all of a sudden it went from, um, you know, you, you can try and do the typical path of 15 to 20% in your 401k and, and retire in 40 years, or you can take this upon yourself and get serious about it and, and compound much faster. So, um, you know, so that what, came with, with experience, with a lot of painful lessons. I lost money along the way, learned some painful lessons, made mistakes. Um, but I gained confidence along that path. Um, and I started to hone in my own strategies and, and what worked for me in terms of identifying, identifying ROI opportunities. So, uh, you know, that's, that's not to, to gloss it all over and make it sound like yeah. it's rainbows and unicorns because it's not. And it, it never will be. Yeah. And it does take effort. <laughs> Um, however, it, it like, you know, it opened up some passions in me and I enjoy doing that. So, you know, yeah. do what you enjoy and it's not a, a day of work kind of a mindset. Yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, one thing I always, I always tell everybody, you know, there, we all learn from the, the world of hard knocks, right? We, we learn from success and we learn from failure. Uh, but we don't all have to learn from our own success, successes and our own failures, which is why we have Seth on this call right now to help us through some of his painful experiences and some of his successes. So let's go ahead and dig into that. You know, you're you're you know a, what? I, I am not too humble to admit that the best successes in my life have come from asking other people for, for help. People who have already achieved that just saying, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? Has typically, 100%. you know, gotten me out of my own way and and just gotten me past the hurdle. I, I couldn't either envision myself or, or work my way out of. Um, I love and, that. and that's the secret to success, at least what I found anyway. 
Yeah, I think I think the people that get better at doing it that way, learning from others and and like you mentioned, be humble, be open, you know, realize that you can learn from everybody. It doesn't matter what position they're at or where they're at. You can learn something from every person and and really turning that into something beneficial for you is huge. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about, you know, prohibited profits for a little bit here. You, your book that's, uh, you know, newly out. What's you know, what's what's some of the stuff that you're sharing with people around wealth? What are some of the big mistakes that people are making around building wealth? Love it. Outstanding questions. Uh, there, there's there's a lot of huge mistakes. And, you know, at, at the root cause of it, Xander, it all starts right here. Yep. It always Six does. Six inches between your two ears. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we, we humans are, we're emotional creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and in particular, when you tie money to that, which which represents something that, you know, as an individual, we've worked hard for, we put effort in, we stressed over it, whatever, that money is something that we produced. So it's so it, it tends to tie a lot of our emotions to it. You don't want to see it's great when those numbers are going up and you're making money and everybody feels rich and let's go buy Lamborghinis. Um, but it's quite the opposite when it's going down. Now, now people yeah. start panicking. They start freaking out. Oh my gosh! It, you know, all of a sudden, you turn into a very short-term thinker when 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 you've got a scarcity mindset and you're trying to protect yeah. what you have. So and, and that that tend you know it's not always the case, but ninety five percent of the time, humans do the exact opposite of what you need to do to make money in the financial markets. So, um, what's the mindset that we need to have around money to to help us get to that point? Like, how can we start to develop that? First off, change change your time horizon. You know, a lot. Of, if, if you're trying to pay the mortgage with with your investment dollars that you need in 30 days, <laughs> you're you're coming at this from the wrong angle. Okay. Yeah. You're you know now now you're in between a rock and a hard place. You're desperate I, at that point. Um, you should be I, looking at of, it. that. That brings me to like one of my favorite quotes from Warren Buffett. He says the best the best investment is one I never have to sell. Right. Like his time horizon is yeah. infinity. Like it, that's what he's looking for. It, it's huge. And the power of compounding works on that kind of scale, right? Like once you can detach yourself from the emotions of the money doing this every day and, you know, checking your, your smartphone screen 27 times a day because the price <laughs> of Bitcoin went up and down 10 grand, uh, you are not doing yourself any favors. Um, this is a, what we focus on here and in, in, in pro- prohibitive profits um, it, it, by and large, most recently are technology investments. Okay. Mm. Um, so if you go back and, and while technology may be new, digital money is not new. Okay. We we've had digital money since the seventies. Yeah. You've been able to yeah. go to the ATM. There's a, there's a, uh, Excel spreadsheet inside that bank behind those big walls with all yep. ones and zeros for how much money is, you know, in and, your it, and it reads That's- out on a little digital screen and then it can print out actual money. Yeah. It's it. I mean, we've got PayPal, you've got Zelle, you you know, you name yeah. it. Their digital money is not new by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so you can date this back, right? Look, a perfect example is the dot-com boom, you know, which, mm-hmm. which again is software companies, the web, uh, the first version of web uh, 1.0. And what we saw in those markets was actually uh, in the 90s was an 85% correction in the technology markets. Um, huh. You know, it, it spiked up and then it bottomed out in the late 90s. Yeah. And then the people who were able to be patient enough, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to stay on the camera here. What happens is typically you see in the technology investments is what we call a J curve. 
there will be a, an initial correction that comes out at the bottom. Either people are trying to sell, they got in at this point, they try, they, they try and sell, take profits, or they're trying to protect their positions. And then the technology adoption curve starts to catch up and people start to wake up to the technology. Yeah. Um, and that be that it becomes an ex um exponential event because of the nature of technology. Um, yeah. you know, people are leapfrogging technology at this point. You there's um, you know, there, there's tribes in Africa that never had dial-up internet. They're they're simply going straight from no internet to cell phones now. Um, yeah. because technology yep. moves that much faster. And that is what causes, you know, those those viral events of technology adoption. So um, so you so, mentioned real real quick, you mentioned we've had digital currency for a while. Then what's so different? And I know the answer to this, but what's so different about what we're looking at now with cryptocurrency versus digital currency and where we're at now then? The massive difference is um is the nature of the ledger and how we account for that digital currency. Um, so while your, your ones and, and zeros- can, on you bank can you explain ATM, that in English? <laughs> for- absolutely. Um, so the ones and zeros, when you go to the ATM and you, and you do this for the, the pin code, so no one's looking over your shoulder, um, it, it's, it's digital, right? It's ones and zeros. The problem is it's yeah. all sitting on Bank of America's ledger. They're, they're Bank one of America ledger. is in charge of this, this money. There is one central authority that says how much money you have or don't have. And if you um, do something that they don't agree with, they can shut your account down and say, we don't want to do business with you. Come and get your money. You're done. And that's that's pretty crazy when you think about it, that we go give our money to somebody and then they were saying, like, I trust you so much that I'm just going to keep all my money with you. Right. And we're seeing we're seeing some issues right now with like some uh, some confiscation of money with everything that's going on in the world, whether it's well up in Canada and out in Europe and people actually confiscating money. Hello. Is is has there been a better advertisement for Bitcoin and digital cryptocurrencies? Yeah, governments right? coming in and saying you can't use your credit cards, you can't have your money. Um, that's exactly why Bitcoin was invented. You know that the yeah. the financial crisis that we had in two thousand and eight. There there was a lot of um, illegal practices going on. I'm sure you can Google and get all the nitty gritty details. But at the end of the day, it, there was fraud going on, uh, and that's mm-hmm. why Bitcoin um, and Satoshi Nakamoto, perceivably the folks who who invented it, um, came out with it. Is because yep. the central authority is the problem. Um, they have full control. So. What you know? What happens? Let, let, let me take you through a little a little history lesson here, right? Yeah. If we go all the way back through the last ten thousand years of uh, modern, quote unquote, modern human history and modern humans. Um, basically, we we were trading and bartering back in you know ten thousand years ago. And you had a shiny jewel or a shell or a chicken or a cow, and you and I shook hands and we traded and agreed on a price of a chicken or a cow and. We walked away and, and that was the deal. You were happy. I was happy. Um, or somebody was not happy and we entered into a disagreement and it yeah. escalated from there, right? And somebody else got involved in whatever, either yeah. fist fighting or or we were both happy and walked away. Um, when we entered into a more modern era, like the last 100 years where governments and banks and um, accountants have come into play, right? Like folks who manage your taxes, we're going to a trusted third party in that situation, a yeah. mediator and saying, 
Xander and I agreed to to a, a business deal. We're going to put Bank of America in charge over here, and you're going to decide whether or not he's happy, I'm happy, and the deal goes through, and who gets paid, right? Um, yeah. So we're dependent on a third party. 99 times out of 100, that's all well and good, and you can probably trust that third party. They're going to charge you a fee. Everyone's going to walk away happy. However, human nature, there are malicious characters out there, and there's bad actors. There's been yeah. multiple accounts of bad actors in government, bad actors in accounting, and just psychopaths who want to lie to benefit their own selves. Yeah. Okay. That, you know, that, that's the, re I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers. That's just the reality of human nature and what it is. Always so, going to have some bad seeds. Yeah. You're going to have bad seeds. And that's where blockchain truly, truly shines. And that is the difference between a centralized digital currency and a decentralized digital currency. So, so just for round numbers, say, um, you know, in the centralized currency, you've got one ledger, right? In a decentralized currency, like uh, by, Bitcoin, by ledger, we're talking a, a basically like a, a history I mean, of the Excel transaction. Spreadsheet, a, yeah, as in a ledger, yeah. a record, you know, in a, a record. In a yeah, perfect, perfect. Um, yeah. So in the Bitcoin network, just for round numbers, there's a million computers that all have to agree. 100% of those million computers all have to agree on the ledger between uh, Xander and Seth yeah. on whether I sent you a Bitcoin or you sent me a Bitcoin and what each of our records shows. A million other records have to all agree. And every 10 minutes that the next block in the blockchain gets confirmed, but it only gets confirmed when all those million computers agree on the last block. Once that's all wow. confirmed and tallied, the next block opens up and new records start to flow. But you've now eliminated the possibility of one bad actor in that situation because you've spread yeah. it out to everybody. Now everybody, it's a yeah. public ledger, right? Everybody's got the record. You can, you can go in and, and do a, a history record and see how many Bitcoins are in your wallet, how many Bitcoins are in my wallet. How many I was, was going to say, it, it also provides a lot of transparency. You can see every, there's, you know, there's 100%. nothing to hide at that point too. There, there is nothing to hide. Um, they call it trustless. On the other hand, you got to have a lot of trust to have a Bitcoin transaction with the individual on the other side. Yeah. Because in, when when you eliminate the ability to call the bank and say, I, you know, I made this a $10,000 purchase and this guy didn't deliver. Can you please help me recover my money? You cannot do that with Bitcoin. That So, yeah. so it comes with pros and cons on both sides, right? Do you think, um, do you think that'll prevent... So, you know, some some of the uh, I'm sure there'll be thing you know technologies in the future that will kind of help mitigate that. But do you think that'll prevent adoption of cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin specifically? Um, I don't. You know, it, it will appeal to some people and and repel others. There, there. Yeah. The reason, uh, getting back to your original point or, or one of your earlier questions, yeah. um, the craziness of people using banks and trusting their money. Um, if, if you understand human nature, it's not crazy at all because most humans want safety. Most mm -hmm. humans go and collect a, a you know a biweekly paycheck because they believe yeah. in the illusion of safety and the illusion that they're going to have that job for the next 40 years and all their bills are going to be yep. paid and they can retire and life is good. Um, what people have learned and discovered in the last two years in particular is that there's no such thing as job safety, right? Yeah. That, that's, that's a, that's a fallacy. Probably, um, it, probably it, the most safe thing you can do is learn how to 
create your own financial income outside of somebody else paying you. Be- because now you're talking about independence versus dependence, independence. right? Correct. Um, yeah. So it's a different mindset. So so what's risky to to you know one side may may not be risky to the other side. It, you know, so now it, that's a that's a different conversation. Um, but I don't think it's crazy at all because most humans would rather have peace of mind, and they will happily go to the bank who takes your money and makes 20% in the stock market and they pay you 0.02% on your money. They're walking away with 19.8% of your money and most humans are happy to do it because they're because of the peace because of it, mind. Because of the that, illusion of safety. Exactly. Um, so, so, you know, the challenge there becomes financial education and financial literacy, right? So most people yeah. don't get taught about money and how to make money and and how to invest in the markets. And and that that really becomes, I think, the challenge or, or the biggest opportunity to help people really um, and, and help them improve their positions in life and, and gain some confidence and potentially make a second industry. If you want to keep your job and you want to work 40 years, great. Why not do something on the side over here? And, you know, if you can retire three years sooner, why not? I I think most people would probably do that. Let's let's talk about that, because I think I think financial literacy is one of the most important things for people to learn, because like you mentioned, finance, you know, money is is very closely tied to every part of Maslow's hierarchy, right? If you think of like 100%. keeping keeping you safe, well, you know, if you have good money, you're going to be in a safer neighborhood or in a, in a better area. It giving you shelter over your head. You're going to pay for food. You're from a from a uh, reproduction standpoint. You're going to drive a nicer car or be able to go to the nice gyms and meet the the husband or the wife of your dreams. Right? So it's closely tied to like every area of of Maslow's hierarchy. I love um, that you mentioned Maslow's hierarchy there, and that, that because that's big picture thinking. That that's seeing the bigger yeah. picture and outstanding. And so it's like you know whatever whatever our beliefs about money, whether it's good, whether it's bad, is is all erroneous because the truth is money is just a, a tool. It's a physical di- physical or digital placeholder for social value. But I think we're not taught like how to manage our money, to to grow our money, to do things with our money in a in a way that will help us be more impactful in the world. So I'd love to I'd love to dig into that a little bit now that we know, you know from what it sounds like the difference between cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and digital money in the past really is this idea of the blockchain. And the ability to decentralize control of the money, so it's a critical, critical element because you're talking, yeah. you're talking about authority at the end of the day. Yes, um, you, you know the the first rule in cryptocurrency is not your keys, not your cheese, um, which which is a slang term saying for if you don't have the you know the backup passwords to your cryptocurrency, you don't actually own it. Um, yeah. And this is a big point because most people who come into cryptocurrency do it wrong. Um, they literally defeat the whole point of blockchain and decentralization by going to Coinbase, opening a centralized Coinbase account, and then storing yeah. their Bitcoin there. It, it's the same exact. You're doing the same exact now, thing as you're doing. Now Coinbase has complete control over. Coinbase has 100 control of your account. Uh, yeah. It, I, and and I and I'm speaking from experience here because. Um, Years ago, I, I have adult children now, but years ago, I got my teenagers into Bitcoin and, and we started with Coinbase, you know, back in 2015. I, I got my 16 year old. I, I said, you know, go to Coinbase, open an account, 
Six months later, we got an email from Coinbase, or my son did more accurately, that said, you violated our policies. Come get your money. We're shutting your account down. There was no explanation. There was no reasoning. We later discovered it's because he was a minor and under 18 at the time. Um, but the lesson there was the central authority came out and said, you're done. Your no, account is they closed. Said no. yeah. um, and, and, and there's been a few other points, but you know, it was, it was just the awesome smack in the face that reminded yeah. you, you don't actually own anything that sits on Coinbase. And um, so it's very important. You know, I, I, I kind of, I, I promote some of these things like cold storage for your ledger, for your wallets yeah. and for your money. This is where you actually own your coins. Now, the flip side is if you lose the passwords to this, you're done. There's, you're screwed. You're done. You, you're screwed. you might as well just... So, you know, so let's talk, up let's talk about, yeah, let's talk about crypto and let's talk about some wealth building. You know, I, I think everybody hears crypto and, you know, they, they, you know, some people think it's a, a pipe dream and a, and a, a scam and other people like, you, you know, there's opportunities to make millions and very quick, get rich quick type things. What are, you know, for, for someone just getting started in, you know, thinking about investing in crypto, you know, what, what are some things that you think that some steps they should take? What should they be thinking about and how would you do it? Um, there, there's a lot to that. That, that's a, that's a deep, um, deep question. And, and probably the simple answer is to make sure that you have a foundation for success underneath you. If you do not have a proper structure to capitalize on the markets, you're going to, you're going to suffer and you're, and you're going to, yeah. you're going to learn painful lessons. And it's, and at the end of the day, those painful lessons come in the form of losing dollars. So, um, so when you say you know, that, yeah, what, what, would so, that pro what do you mean by a proper structure? What does that mean? A, a, cryptocurrency and, and the blockchain market is a new asset class. Um, yeah. For for me, there's there's basically five asset classes where you can grow and leverage your financial wealth. Okay. Um, and in the past, there were, there was four. So I consider Bitcoin and crypto the fifth one. But basically, you've got real estate. Mm -hmm. um, you've got owning a business, which which pays you while you sleep. Um, you've got the commodities market, like you know, oil, gas, gold, wheat. You know, the futures market. Yep. Um, which is what my hedge fund is based in. And um, uh, the fourth one is uh, paper or stocks, um, mm -hmm. you know, which stock certificates, trading the US yep. um, stock market, et cetera. So paper. Um, those are the four, four asset classes where you could actually leverage money. Bitcoin is the fifth one. The problem with the, the fifth one is it's complex. It's not as simple yeah. as going and opening up, uh, you know, a TD Ameritrade account and you could trade thousands of stock accounts. You can't do that. Yeah. Coinbase only supports something. Last I knew it was somewhere yeah. around 600 coins. Yeah. Xander, there's tw over 20,000, 20,000, and that is not an exaggeration, 20,000 cryptocurrencies out there. So while yeah. Coinbase is supporting, you know, the, the top 600 coins, there are multi-billion dollar market, if not trillion at this point. Um, they've got all the big boys, okay? Bitcoin is, has risen from six pennies to 40,000, give or take, depending on when you, you may be watching. Yeah, depending on what time of day you're looking at it, yeah. Um, that's uh, round numbers. I'm guessing 15 million percent ROI. I have no idea. Somebody's crunching yeah. a calculator behind me and going to tell me I'm wrong on that, but it, massive seven digit ROIs. Okay. That, that's a big number. Yeah. Um, 
So what we focus on is is more of the penny stock. Uh, excuse me, penny cryptos. So the the yeah. new to Bitcoin was twelve years ago. Okay, from a technology mm-hmm. investment adoption curve, you have massively missed Bitcoin. Okay, Bitcoin yeah. going from forty thousand to a hundred thousand is great. People are going to post about it on their Facebook. You're going to hear, you know, grandma's going to tell yeah. you she's doubling her money and everybody's going to let you know. Um, but a smaller coin going from, you know, six point six pennies to $10 is a far more massive ROI yeah. to an investor than than the safe play of Bitcoin, go, you know, doubling. Not, not that doubling yeah. your money is ever bad. Um, I'm just from a, as a technology investor and focusing I was, I was say on it's... markets who are disruptive that are going to pay me four digit ROIs. The Bitcoin ship has sailed. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like it sounds like the way that you view these uh, these investments is as a technology investment, right? So it's absolutely you know some some people kind of in view some people view Bitcoin specifically as you know like similar to as investing in a commodity right a, a, you know a, a very limited commodity like gold right Can and be. because be. of the scarcity of the commodity that price and that cost is going to keep going up and you're looking at a lot of the other cryptocurrencies the coins or tokens and saying i'm investing as, in this as a technology which technology and which team or which quote unquote company do i think is going to disrupt and that coin will then rise because of that so it's almost like a technology investment rather than a uh, so the financial investment. You, you are correct, but there, there's two pieces to that. Um, first, it has to be a sound deflationary currency first. If it is not yeah. that, we're, we're not even going to have the other conversation mm-hmm. around the team and the technology and and you know all the finer details that are going to make us uh, put our capital in in your company, right? Yeah. Um, if it is so not just, just for everybody else listening who's not privy to these conversations like I am, a deflationary currency would mean what? A hard cap. Um, yeah. The, the reason is, the dollar a, is inflationary just, is because they have printed off more 60% more dollars in the last yeah. 18 months, 24 months. Yeah. Um, there is no... There, there is no maximum supply to the dollar, which is why the dollar has no bottom, which is why yeah. the fuel prices are giving you pain at the moment, um, which is yeah. why your dollar is buying you less. And and it will so continue for example, to do so. For example, everybody listening right now, what is it? It's 21 million Bitcoin will ever be mined, right? Correct. So there's, there's a cap in terms of how many Bitcoin there can ever be minted or mined you know, for any of the coins. And that's what we're talking about here is there has to be some hard cap. That's why real estate is an asset class. There's only so much land and there's, <laughs> and there's a population growth, which, which increases the demand for the scarcity of the asset itself, right? Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with gold, silver, oil, any of the precious metals, stock certificates. There's only so many you can got, uh, purchase or own. There's scarcity inherently involved in that, and that is what makes it an asset class. So with 20,000 cryptocurrencies out there, 99% of them are people who see this as an opportunity to to have some kind of a cash grab based on the uneducated investor, okay? Mm. Um, There's a lot of projects out there that have no business 
uh, entertaining investments or investors at all. Um, and that's where the, you know, the skills of being able to identify what is a sound project and what is not is going to be the, the difference maker. Um, because we, you know, 20,000 coins, we only hold 20 positions in our portfolio. So we are focusing wow. on the 0.0001% of the coins that we think, you know, can do those 10 X plays. Um, and, and obviously we don't get them right. Nobody has their crystal ball. Um, but we do get about 80% of the calls right. Um, and, yeah. and that's the consistency that we look for. We are far more happier to take 60% of a tidal wave move, you know, some coin that that pops yeah. like that. I don't get I don't care about the timing the bottom of the market. I don't care about timing the top of the market. I'll take 60% right. I just out want the I just want the sweet spot. Yeah. And and then I'll I'll rinse and repeat and just do it. If I can get a thousand percent, I am happy on that invest. You can go chase ten thousand percent and you know meme coins in the Elon Musk Doge nonsense. <laughs> I have zero interest in any of that. I will take my thousand percent and I will run. And then I will do it again yeah. with consistency. Um, so we're coming at it from, thousand, from a consistency aspect and a foundational uh, thought process. Yeah. And thousand, thousand percent sounds crazy to some people, right? So, but this is what we see going on because this is a technological boom, right? So we're talking, you know, something 10 Xing, you putting in a hundred dollars and making a thousand, you putting in a thousand dollars and making 10,000 from this. It right? sounds so, crazy, but but let me let me broaden or, or give you maybe some some food for thought. Um, and, and again, that that goes into what um, by and large the prohibited profits is about. Um, yeah. From an investment standpoint, history may not one hundred percent repeat itself, but but it sure as heck does rhyme at certain times, yeah. time and time again. There's definitely some cycles. <laughs> there, there's some lessons to be learned here, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and some examples that we use in the book in particular for, for uh, investors in the financial markets um, is when there is regulation and, and attention to push investors away. So if we go back in, in history, um, there was a period in the 1930s, I, I probably don't have exactly right, the late 20s, where alcohol prohibition came into play. Um, yeah. There was bathtub gin. There was illegal, yeah. uh, you know, bootlegging going on. The the gangsters, uh, you know, driving around in in their uh, their coops and and smuggling alcohol. Right. I mean, it was it was not unknown that people were still using drugs. You can make it you can make it illegal all you want. At the end of the day, you just created a black market, and people are going to do what they want. Yeah. Um, however, when when the time came to to re-legalize it, right, we went through the pain and the government realized that it was much smarter to tax it than to outlaw it. The people who were in the right place at the right time, like Coors and Budweiser, built generational wealth by being yeah. on the right place at the right time and and leaning in, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. Same thing happened. We've had we had cannabis prohibition. Marijuana was outlawed in the past. Yep. There were right and wrong reasons for why that happened. The point is that it did happen and it gave, again, an opportunity for investors in the markets that are now, you know, launching marijuana businesses, competing with Marlboro and um, making generational wealth in that market. Very, very large amounts of wealth. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Gold has actually been outlawed in the past. It was illegal for Americans really? to hold gold. Yeah. In the, in the world wars, um, gold was a precious asset and the government came out and outlawed it and said, turn your gold coins in. 
Some people turned their gold coins in and trusted the government. Other people said, we'll give you the, the one finger salute and we're not doing any of that. Um, yeah. They took their risk with the law, but they came out financially much further ahead on the other side. Um, psilocybin investment research, magic mushrooms is now a technological advancement. Um, there's some negative stereotypes around just the fact that it's an FDA federal um, schedule one drug. However, from, from my standpoint, it's a new technology that humans just haven't fully explored yet. Um, yeah. Or and maybe again, they have Robert, explored it for a while and then we started to stop being exploring. <laughs> you know, scientific research, I guess, yeah, in a lab. Yeah. Um <laughs> and the benefits were, you know, we're we're seeing there's there's PTSD um help, uh folks yeah. who have you know mental trauma and and need some help getting out of their own way and maybe some of their own, you know, mental roadblock. I'm not an expert on this. So, so please don't fault me for perhaps using the wrong terminology. I'm, I'm trying to highlight the point yep. that I see this as a positive thing for humankind, for one, most importantly, and for two investors who can see where this technology yeah. and, and advancement is going to head and the impact that it's going to have on our lives. Um, yeah, that's what I see happening in the markets. Now you, maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't, I could be wrong. However, taking a very small, you know, 1%, 3% of your investment portfolio and putting it in a $35 billion market today, that could very easily turn into a trillion dollar market in the next 10 years. Um, well, well, Xander, that's a Bitcoin opportunity that's staring you in the face right now, right here today. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's deeper conversations to have behind who is that right technology, the leadership teams, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, the financial opportunity in the markets is, is just it's right here and right now. So um, so that's what the book focuses on, you know, identifying you don't have to be the smartest guy on the block. What you need to do is see the, the tidal waves that are coming and understand human nature and and and, and ride the wave. Um, yeah. And even, even if you can get, wind. even if you can get 60% of the wave, it's going to be a damn good wave. So, you know, that it's winning is winning at the end of the day. Um, so, so if you yeah. can hone in, if you can get past the mental, um, failures that, that cause investors to buy and sell at the wrong times, if you can have that long, if you can invest with a five to 10 year time horizon and, and you, and you reduce your risk by putting, you know, a very small amount, right? We're, we're talking yeah. about technology and high risk investing to begin with. So we're also talking about um, a speculation investment strategy, okay? Um, yeah. You want to put smaller positions. If, if you have 20 coins and you put small positions into each one of them, even if 70% of them fail and go nowhere, the 30% that do pay and, and turn into 500, 1,000% returns are going to far exceed your losses. Um, yeah. so, you know, again, that, that's some of the, the 30,000 foot view and what we try to target, but it, these patterns repeat themselves in history. So while it may be Bitcoin and blockchain right now, while there may be psilocybin opportunities, who knows what's going to happen? Bitcoin, you know, in the next yeah. 20 years, there's going to be another technology that comes along that exceeds Bitcoin. A lot of folks think it may be quantum computers. Um, I've pounded on the desk for my investors to look at, quantum resistant ledgers that that are quantum uh, resistant computer proof. So if the biggest yeah, threat to Bitcoin is going to be step, quantum yeah. computers that have the power to dissect that technology, 
well, maybe if you're going to do something, maybe it's worth investing in quantum proof technology. Um, again, that's a 10 year horizon. OK, I, I could be massively wrong on that, but taking a tiny little bit of risk and possibly turning into a 15 million percent ROI is it, for me is a smart investment. So we're, you know. We're talking about probabilities, right? At the end of the day, humans are very, very bad predictors of the future. Yeah. Okay. So yep. you you have to have a certain amount of humbleness to say that. And and humans suck at it. Okay. We yeah. all suck at it. We will, the last we will all get it wrong. Months, we will all get it wrong. The, the last 24 months has been the best um, indicator of that because, you know, we, we've had Corona, we've had pandemics, we've had war, we've had quantitative easing, we've had inflation skyrocket. Very few people probably saw the scale of what was coming our way with any level of accuracy. Um, yeah. Everybody loves to tell you when they got one thing right, but they won't tell you about the 90 other things they got wrong, right? Um but, but at the end of the day, as investors, we're looking at probabilities and the reality that those probabilities are going to actually happen. So, um, you know, that, that's, uh, that's, it's a simple way to put it. But if yeah. you can wrap your head around some of those bigger concepts and then have the daily consistency to protect your capital and, and actually cash in profits when they do come your way, right? The first rule of investing is not to lose capital. Don't lose, don't lose money. Investing, see rule number one. Um, yep. but those are daily principles that, that you have to have, right? I mean, it's like showing up for work every day. You got to show up for work every day. You can't skip the zoom calls. You have to have a level of consistency that's, that's going to guarantee you can show up for work for the next 40 years. Same thing with investing. You can't put money in and forget about it. You got to keep an eye on it and you have to stick almost religiously to your trading plan and remember what you're trading. sound principles that you can pull your emotions away from and just follow this thing. hundred percent. It's, you know, it's the consistency of humans, right? You, you can want to be beef like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but, but if you're, you know, I'm a skinny scruff guy. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not in the gym four hours a day and, and it shows, um, but I haven't done that work and I and I don't lie to myself to think that I am Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you yeah. want to be that guy and you want to get Mr. Olympia results, you got to go to the gym every damn day. If, if you want to have some investment income and you want to have some consistency with it, you got to show up every day. Now, you don't need to go to the uh, investment markets four hours a day, but 20 minutes a day needs to be on your schedule every single day like clockwork. Um, I love that. And, and, and that's where, that's where consistency is going to pay. Whether you're showing up at work and doing a 40 year work job, whether you're Mr. Olympia, or you just want to have a second income stream as an investor, consistency pays. Beautiful, man. Seth, this is, this has been really solid. I think everybody's going to have a lot to think about in terms of investing in crypto and, uh, and everything. So, uh, I'd love for people to learn more about where they can find more about you, about the book prohibited profits so they can start to go deeper down this rabbit hole. So where can they learn more about you in the book? The honor was mine, brother. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, yeah SethManiscalco.com is my personal, uh, webpage. It talks about my business, the hedge funds, everything there for your audience. I just want to make it clear because I am a hedge fund um, manager, I am not soliciting for a hedge fund. Um, <laughs> so that's if you want to talk to me about my entrepreneurial experience and the journey that's gotten me here, I will be happy to have that conversation with you. If you don't have my cell phone number, please don't don't bother. Um, we also own Crypto Wealth Coach. 
that we can solicit for prohibitive profits. I would be honored if you would buy a, a $14.99 book from Amazon or our website, Prohibitive Profits. We will, of course, give you some, uh, you know, some email downloads and uh, eBooks and things like that if you purchase on our website. We also give our members a free 30 days trial to Crypto Wealth Coach. If you're interested in learning more about Bitcoin technology, there's no commitment at all. If you think I suck at day 29, you are free to cancel and take your book and be on your way. Um, but if there is some value that we can deliver, uh, hopefully I will I will plant some seeds in your mind and send you on a different path. I love it, man. Thanks so much, Seth. This has been super good for our audience and I can't wait to have you again on the show later. Thanks a ton. Have an outstanding day. Thank you, Xander. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.